Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And you, every week I come on and I'm just like so excited about the guest, but every week the guest is just amazing. And so today on the show, I'd like to welcome Ross Gibb, executive director of the George H.W. Bush Combat Development Complex at Texas A&M and retired Army Colonel. As a senior staff executive, Ross played an instrumental role in the development of Army Futures Command and the reorganization of the Army's modernization enterprise and brings to the Texas A&M University system tremendous insight on how to best support national security research priorities. He brings a wealth of information on leadership, successful habits, and the benefits of community service. So thanks for joining us today, Ross. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, you know, I think my mom wrote that intro. <laughs> no, this is just our research on you. You're okay. a pretty amazing guy. And, you know, I love the first, first conversation that you and I had. And do you remember where that was? Like our first true conversation? Um, it, was, it wasn't North. It wasn't uh, Sussex, North Dallas. It was, where was it? We were at Y Texas, a Y Texas event. Oh, that's right at the formation right. and you That's and I, right. we just somehow tripped across our love of young executives and really empowering that next generation. And just, I, I was just like, I was like, feed me, feed me, tell me more, tell me more, let's work together. And you were like, okay, calm down. <laughs> but you also, um, before that, you had presented an award to Bill Wallace, the founder of Success North Dallas. Can you tell us a little bit about that award? Yeah, that, that award was, um, it, it was a, a challenge point, which is now more, um, more available, you know, in mainstream uh, business and in the military, but kind of the background of those, those coins was, you know, in, you know, earlier times of soldiers used to get paid um, in different ways. And that was, you know, through coins. And then later on, uh, we found that those coins in more modern times, it was a, a sense of belonging uh, when units didn't really understand who was in their units or had patches, you know, they presented a coin. So later on, um, you knew you belonged to that unit. So the idea is that, you know, Bill will always belong, um, no matter you know where he is, he will always belong to that organization or at least that idea or ideal. That, that is really beautiful. And you actually presented that to him um, as he was retiring from right. uh, being the founder and CEO of Success North Dallas. Right. And I, I just thought that was such a beautiful day and such a beautiful moment. There were so many people that stood up to give him awards for his 34 years of service up to that point. And it was just wow. a really beautiful day. So I thank you for being there and for participating in that. Thank you. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. So, but, 
you know, let's talk about you because, you know, as I'm getting to know you and I'm learning more about you, you've had a spectacular career. So tell me about yourself and your career as an Army Colonel and now Executive Director of, this is this is a really long title, right. <laughs> the Executive Director at the George H.W. Bush Combat Development Complex at Texas A&M. Did I get that right? You did. Right. Okay, good. Uh, well, first off, it's really hard to um, speak about myself, but I'll uh, I'll kind of shorten it up a little bit. And um, I would, so, you know, I, I joined first generation, um, you know, American, and I joined because my family came on, uh, came to the United States because of um, military service by my grandfather. Um, so... I felt like that was a way that he showed a way to give back in, in this public service. And I always, you know, idolized him um, for, for doing that on behalf of his country and then now his new country. So, you know, I, I joined, you know, I went to college, I, you know, became an officer and, you know, 24 moves later, um, it was time for me to retire. So I, I did just about 30 years I um, met so many people, which I learned from. Uh, I had great assignments, you know, made numerous deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, places like Haiti, Honduras, Panama, Kosovo. Um, you know, I, uh, my, my sons have been to, my twin sons that are graduating from Texas A&M and commissioning, you know, they were in nine different schools, my oldest son, uh, who went to UCLA, I mean, he did, you know, more than that. And uh, it really is more about, you know, their sacrifices in support of national security than it is, you know, my, my positions um, throughout uh, my Army career. I, I ended up um, um, after Brigade Command here at Fort Hood, I, I was then uh, XO to the Secretary of the Army, and then and then right after that, uh, I was at, landed in Army Futures Command, which is in Austin, Texas. Right, so we we stood up a four-star command that helped reorganize the Army, the largest reorganization since 1974, uh, and it landed right here in Texas for a lot of good reasons: because of the culture, because access to capital, because access to talent, R1 research in the collaboration between what we called at that time, the triangle, right? Austin, San Antonio, College Station, Houston, and DFW coming together to collaborate on national security uh, initiatives. Um, and so it was natural for me to continue to, to move forward in, you know, in public service and continue to work for Texas A&M University in the things that we do here in integrated um, hypersonics and integrated autonomy. So we're so my entire family has been just pleased that we were able to get three more years with our youngest son. My oldest son, I, I couldn't gain that you know that time back, um, but you know I'll, we'll have to make it up on the on the back end. When when you get the grandbabies, that's when you make it up. You're right, right. <laughs> we're well, like I'm, we're slowing down a little bit, but yes. <laughs> It, so I want to tell you a funny story. Do you mind if I share something with you? Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned Fort Hood, okay? Mm -hmm. And you may not remember this. When when were you at Fort Hood? I was there twice. I was there from 
2003 to 2006, where I deployed to Iraq twice in that time frame, and then I was there from 2014 to 2016. So this was before you were there. Okay. okay. So fun fact about me, I used to race dirt bikes. So, mm -hmm. and I, I didn't do motocross, I did cross country. And okay. one, one of the places that we raced was Fort Hood. Okay. And I earned my very first, first place at Fort Hood. There you go. So. I mean, I did, I would never have guessed. <laughs> um, one, if it was before me, you must've been racing when you're like two years old or something like that. I'm not going to disclose how old I was, but it was before okay. 1990. How about that? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's just kind of fun. So if you, and can you, what, what, what is your favorite d position that you held while you were in the military? I, I think anytime you're given the honor and privilege of commanding a formation, I, I think those are your, your favorite assignments, right? So, and it's the most um, assignments, it's the assignment with the most responsibility. So as a company commander, you command a formation of 180 uh, men and women, you know, sons and daughters of the United States. As a battalion commander, you know, you're a Lieutenant Colonel, you may have 1,250. And then as a brigade commander, you may have 4,500. Wow. Um, so those are, those to me, you cherish because the, the people you get to lead, you leave a legacy of things that, um, you know, are important to you, important to the army, important to our organization, um, you know, and then taking, you know, de deploying the soldiers to Afghanistan and Iraq uh, during those, you know, those really rough times, um, you cherish that. There are a lot of good times. And then there are a, a lot of times where you, you know, you kind of reminisce and um, think about the families and, you know, their losses and, you know, keep in contact with, with all those, those families. You, you know, my son just recently transitioned out of the Air Force and fortunately mm -hmm. he was never deployed. I say fortunately, he says not fortunately. He right. I understand deployment, that. You know, I and, that. but I just, I can't imagine being that person that has to make that decision. That would be so hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I, um, those aren't easy decisions. And, you know, there are a lot of times where being in command is, is fantastic. And then there's those times where you have to make decisions where, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not as, um, you know, it's not as pleasant, but decisions need to be made with the, with the best information that you have at the time with the best equipment and, and the best, um, you know, the best that we can do as a country. So how has your exposure to so many different sectors shaped your core values? Yeah, I, I um, you know, I, I tell people that uh, it was uh, when you're retiring and you have uh, army values, you know, we, we use the acronym leadership, um, L-D-R-S-H-I-P, uh, is what are, you know, everything from, you know, loyalty, discipline, I mean, it's, it's all there. And then when I switched to, to, um, Texas A&M, it's the same values only they call it RELIS, R-E-L-L-I-S, respect, excellence, leadership, loyalty, the whole, the whole gamut. 
and I tell people, I just went from, you know, green camouflage to maroon camouflage. And I did have a lot of opportunities in industry, um, but I felt most comfortable where, you know, everybody had the same values, not saying that industry doesn't, but I also have the opportunity to work with industry in my current capacity and in my last couple of capacities. So uh, I'm excited, you know, going forward that we can continue to, you know, just do the things that we do and feel comfortable in our own skin. So. And I love that. And I think that, you know, so many times we have such a narrow view of the world. We haven't seen what you've, a lot of us, most of us haven't seen what you've seen. You know, most, some of us may have never even left the United States before. Right. Mm -hmm. So as a retired military Colonel who's seen the world, um, what, what do you think it has to offer? If you were speaking into the youth today, maybe somebody that's just about to graduate college, what does the world have yeah. to offer? I, there, you can see a lot of things in the news. You can see, um, you know, you can read about it, but I, I would say there's a, there is still a lot of hope, right? Um, you know, I sit on a nonprofit board um, on the Texas science and engineering fair, mm -hmm. right? It's a nonprofit. You do something for your soul. You want to make sure that you give back to the community as, as part of my ethos. And, uh, you can see the youth in, you can tell that there's one, there's hope and two, the future is bright, right? No matter what you read and how, you know, disparate it seems, uh, you know, when you see the young people and that's throughout the world, like, I've said Afghanistan, I've said Haiti, I've said Kosovo, I said Iraq, um, you name a place, it's really the bright eyes of the youth that kind of bring you back and give you the energy that you need to, to go forward. So I would say hope in the future is bright is what I would tell these young people. And then, you know, if you, if you don't try, you have a hundred percent of not attaining. That is, but if you try, you you have you know a good chance of getting to what your um, aspirations are. And so, what would you say to the young professional? So you just told them to try, mm -hmm. and they try and they fail. What advice do you give them? Learn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Learn from failures. Um, there is nobody that is a hundred percent, you know, has a hundred percent batting average. Yeah. So one thing is to try um, and when you fail and we're all going to fail we all have failed um, you learn you fix and then you try again right so never let anybody put you in a place where you think that you can't try again um, and that's a lot of that is just resilience a lot of that is just you know self-esteem and self-awareness that um, you know there are sometimes timing is everything. And sometimes there is just the pathway to success. And it, it, it sometimes, as you know, and what you do, it's just not uh, written out and scripted. You know, and it's so hard with these, these young professionals today. Mm -hmm. And, and I have a kind of a two pronged question here because number one, if they watch the news, how do they know mm -hmm. what to believe? I don't even know what to believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then number two, they see all this stuff on social media, the TikToks, the Instagrams, and they think, oh, that's real over there. I mean, do you encounter that a lot when you're counseling these young professionals? 
Yeah, I, I um, the first thing I, I think of is you, you have to have, you have to be well-read, right? And have to have more um, information than just from one or two sources to give you a kind of a full breadth of what is going on in the world. So if you're look, reading and listening to things solely on the left, you're gonna have a left slanted view, same thing on the right. Um, what I would encourage people to do is if you really are trying to learn something, look at everything from different lenses and mm -hmm. different perspectives, and then make a decision for yourself. And you know, there's, there is probably no better teacher than going to experience something um, for yourself rather than through somebody else's lenses yeah oh that is so good right there you know choose your own lens don't let somebody right. else choose your lens for right. you that is really really good okay i have a random question okay do you make your bed every morning i do <gasps> do you okay mm -hmm. follow-up question do you yep. make the bed when you're in a hotel i do <laughs> somehow i knew the answer to that question <laughs> Yeah. That is so interesting. I know one other person that does that. Yeah, I, and it's not, you know, I and I love Admiral McRaven, and I know what he said in, in his speech to the other school there mm -hmm. in, um, in Austin. Um, but I think it's repetition, right? I, I think that's something that's just innate in your head that uh, once you get up, you, you know, just pull the, the covers and you, you tighten it up, and you don't even know you're doing it, honestly. I, I think it's just that that is ingrained in your mind um, to do certain things. And that's, that's one of them. You know, I will, I, I do make my bed every morning, but I have a little caveat here because I have a little five pound palm tree. I actually have two palm trees, but the little five pound one's the one that cannot stand and not be under covers. And so mm -hmm. I make the bed and then I have to fold one corner of the comforter back over so she can get under the covers while I'm gone during the day. There you go. That's pathetic. <laughs> well, you're, I mean, you're, I mean, you either train yourself or someone trains you, right? They're, they're, I'm I don't so know trained which. I'm by the dogs. <laughs> they rule the world. They absolutely rule the world. Okay. So aside from making your bed, what's mm -hmm. one habit you do every day that's, you feel like has made you successful? I like to, um, exercise, right? So I like to either, you know, go on a short, 30 or 40 minute run, um, or just have a cup of coffee just to reflect on either yesterday or the next or, or that day, right? Or even that week. And I, when I get um, some alone time and that's either drinking coffee, cause I don't run every day. I used to run every day, you know, but once you hit, you know, the, the age that I'm at, you, you don't, you can't run every day, uh, cause it's detrimental, but, um, I do like to just reflect on my own and kind of, you know, close my eyes and uh, think about, you know, the things that need to be accomplished, the things were, that were accomplished. And uh, if they weren't, why weren't they? You know, how, how can we get better um, every day? I love that. So, and, and, you know, that's one of the things I talk about all the time is, and, and that's where we hit what I call our Buddha level. Mm -hmm. And it's very much... Um, you know, we can't stay there all the time, but we can touch that by either just having that quiet yeah. time, like what you just described through meditation, mm -hmm. through prayer, and sometimes even, even just connecting with the breath, you know, just having right. that calmness, connecting the mind to the heart. 
So I, I think that's really beautiful. What is, what are some techniques though, on the other hand, that you might recommend to help break a bad habit that maybe somebody has formed? Um, I think you have to be deliberate. Hmm. You know, I used to tell people when I used to counsel people, you know, we, for, um, you know, what we call, um, our fitness reports or our officer evaluation reports, I'd never wanted to surprise anybody with their rating, right? Mm -hmm. I, I wanted to coach them along the way so that, you know, when they got their, their final grade, so to speak, um, it, it wasn't a surprise, whether it was going to be really good is going to be mediocre or is not going to be as good as they want. And I never really focused on the things that they were good at. I said, tell me three things that you're not good at. Okay. And then tell me how you are going to deliberately fix those things. So if somebody said, you know, sir, one of my problems is English is a second language. And I would say, okay, so what are you going to do about making that weakness in your mind? It's a weakness. How are you going to make that a strength? What is your plan? And then I will work with you on that plan to make you get to where you need to get to, if that makes sense. Oh, that makes perfect sense. I mean, and so what if I came to you and I said, my, my weakness is technology. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I scream in the office. I need a millennial. You right. <laughs> right. No, I, I would, you know, one thing is you, sur we surround ourselves with, with good people. Right. Um, I, you know, I once was stationed in London and, um, you know, real quick story, real quick vignette and, um, Whenever, and I was an exchange officer, so I worked for the British at that time. But whenever I wanted to get, you know, good U.S. of A time or American time, I would go to the Marine House. And uh, one day, you know, General Krulak, the former co commandant of the Marine Corps, and, you know, I'm Army. Mm -hmm. He came in, you know, he called us all, you know, somebody called us all the attention, even though he's retired and, you know, stand up and we're all in suits. And, uh, you know, I asked him, like, what do you do? What does a retired Marine Corps commandant do after he retires? And he told me that he ran this financial institution and, you know, they provide houses in Switzerland, London, and New York. And I was like, wow, he must be a finance guy. And he said, no, he says, I surround myself with good people. And I've been trained just like you've been trained to ask the right questions of the experts around me. And I get paid to make a decision. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I thought to myself, like, wow, he really, you know, simplified that you know because we did that as a company commander you had a supply sergeant you had a maintenance sergeant you had and you don't really look at it from that lens until somebody that has that experience explains that to you and you're thinking like wow yeah that that makes a lot of sense so i would say surround yourself with people that are very knowledgeable and then one thing that i found as well is when i have somebody that's that is maybe junior in rank or junior in a position help explain something to me because they're the expert it really empowers them to say they really help the boss right and then they feel good about themselves and you feel good about yourself because you're learning something and then they they go off and say you know what i just spoke to the commander and i taught him or her how to use uh, this rifle or this piece of equipment and then, you know, the, the word resonates, 
that you're, you're a human being and that you're willing to learn. That is really beautiful. That is such good advice right there. We could just stop right now. I'm just, that, that was okay, really let's do good. It. Okay, I do have another question for you though. Okay. So coming out of the military, I know discipline is key, right? Mm -hmm. um, so why is it important to practice discipline in the workplace as a civilian and in your personal life? Yeah. I think discipline um, and teamwork go together, right? Mm -hmm. So Casey, if I, relied on you to do certain things every day, I have to understand that you're, you are disciplined to do that. So then I don't have to think about what you are doing. I'm thinking about what I do for the team. The problem is when you start thinking about what everybody else is doing for their parts of the team, you can't, you can't do your own job because you're worried about everybody else's job. Mm. And then, so the same thing in the military, like, you know, if we're on a three soldier team, um, I rely on everybody to do their job. Cause if I'm thinking about, are they doing their job? I'm not doing mine. So I, that's why discipline in our business is really important. And then it, it carries on into, um, you know, into the civilian world in the industry. I rely on the CIO to be the CIO. You may ask him some questions or her some questions about X, Y, and Z, but at the end of the day, that person is the expert. And um, if we can't rely on certain people, or then that's where we have problems, right? So discipline to do the things that you're paid to do, discipline to follow the the you know the um, PD that you know that you're remitted to follow and you're getting paid to do is, is really, really, I think important, um, is being part of the team. Not everybody could be a quarterback or else, True. you know, um, you need linemen, you need wide receivers, you, you need tight end, you, you need everybody to do their job. You know, I, that's such a unique perspective and I don't think I've ever had anybody, and, and maybe it's not unique, but I've not heard it explained that way before you know, linking the discipline to the teamwork and explaining why that's so important. And that just kind of reminds me of a lot of these, you know, new managers or even older managers that get in there and they micromanage. And what they're doing is they're telling their team that they're not disciplined enough or they don't believe they're disciplined right. enough to trust them. And that's a trust thing. Like, exactly. You're basically telling them like, I don't trust you. But when here's the thing, I don't want to let, if you're, if you're the, you're calling the plays, Casey, listen, I don't want to let you down. Like I want to do my job so Casey can focus on the other things and not have to worry about mine. Like I am doing mine. Um, and you could, you know, you tweak it or, you know, you can amp me up, you can do different things, but at the end of the day, um, you know, I'm doing my job on, on behalf of, you know, the team, I'm not letting the team down. That is so good. I can't wait to go back and re-listen to this episode because just the, everything was good, but just those last two nuggets, I'm just like, wow, you just blew my mind. I love that. So we are almost done here, but okay. nobody gets away without answering my VIP questions. Ooh, okay. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? Ooh. Okay, I would say Harry Potter would Explain be one. Explain yourself. 
So I, I believe that um, a child uh, will tell you how they feel and what they want, right? They have a different, they have no filters. Okay. And I'll, you know, let alone he's a wizard, right? Yep. Let alone he, he is a wizard. So that is beside the point. But you want somebody that uh, sees things from a different lens than you see, from my perspective, right? Um, and I could have picked, you know, any kind of child prodigy or just, you know, any of my three sons, probably, I, I mean, I, it's just, he had the extra, you know, skill set of, of being a wizard. So, but it's really like a child has a perspective that you and I as an adult have lost. Uh, mm -hmm. just like a child will say what they feel, as you know, when you're walking in the grocery store and they say something to whomever. Uh, yes. And I think you need that when you're in an austere environment like Mars. I think the second person is Harriet Tubman, uh, which is kind of weird, right? But you want somebody that is bold and audacious and willing to take a chance for uh, what he or she believes to be right. Mm. So when you start the underground, when you can you know, escape from slavery and you can start the underground and you can do all these things, you know that person is courageous and you know that person believes in what they're doing or else, you know, it's a life or death thing. Um, and then I would say, uh, you know, this is probably more cliche because I would say my family, but it's, I would say Jesus because then, you know, I think you could ask all the things that you always wanted to ask. And, you know, storytelling in that kind of environment, I think would be very beneficial because I would feel like there's a lot of time um, to pass and to understand, you know, the, the things that, you know, in the perspective of what was written versus what was said would be very interesting because there's a lot of literalists, there's a lot of not literalists, not to get religious, but just, you know, just out of curiosity and, you know, out of faith, I'd, I'd want to know that. Is that weird or no? I don't think that's weird. I've actually had Jesus before. Yeah. I mean, so, but the three like together, I know I they're very the an interesting group. combination, but I'm totally yeah. a Harry Potter fan. So I'm on board with that. Okay. <laughs> Love me some Harry Potter. I actually started reading Harry Potter to my kids when they were little way back when, when they first came out while we were in London. And my youngest son at the time, he was like, where, what is it? Nine and three quarters. We yep. were in the subway and he was like, where's the nine and three quarters gate? I want to yeah. go to Hogwarts. You know, <laughs> I was That's like, awesome. not real. Don't run into the wall. You know, <laughs> I love it. Okay. So what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? I, I, we spoke about that a little bit. I, I, I like physical fitness in different forms. Um, I'm not a very big stretcher. I probably should do some yoga, but I, I'll, I'll challenge myself to do that. But really, it, I, I like to peak uh, physical fitness just to kind of clear my, you know, clear my brain, even if I'm not going to go as, as hard as I did, you know, back in the day, I would say that, you know, it's important for me to, you know, keep my health up and, you know, lead by example, when you're talking to people about, you know, ensuring that, you know, you live, you have a clean mind and clean body. That's amazing. All right, my final question for you. Mm -hmm. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, 
what would the headline be? Ooh, I would say, hmm, I would say family man, public servant. Hmm. I would say leadership over likership. And his work is not done. Oh, I would, I would kind of segue into those different categories and, and hopefully, um, that res any pieces or parts of that resonates with, um, the people that are reading it. Well, it resonates with me for sure. I mean, obviously we had a really strong connection when we first met and I just thought it was important to help share your message. How do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you? Well, they can email me or they can get on LinkedIn and, um, or they can, um, just send, send me, email me a note, send me a note, get on LinkedIn and, and say, let's, let's connect. I, uh, mentorship is my passion. Um, leadership is my passion. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that, um, you want to leave a legacy of, of leaving your, what we used to say, leave your foxhole better than when you received it, right? So leave your room, leave your office, leave those things better than um, than when you received it, I would say. So um, if, if you could put a link on there to my email address um, Absolutely. for this, I, I have no problem doing that. Um, or my LinkedIn profile, I would I'd love to, and I look forward to talking to people that really wanna make a change for good, not only for themselves, not only for the community, but really, um, you know, globally. I love that. And I just want to thank you in advance for coming to pour into our Success North Dallas Young Executives in June. Um, we meet the second Tuesday of the month. So if you're in the Dallas area, we would love to have you join us and hear Ross speak. This is a free event to attend. So it could be, a, I, I know it's going to be a really good one. So I look forward to seeing you when you're in town for that. And Ross, thank you so much for your time today. And I just have one last thing to say to you. Okay, Casey. You are a VIP. Thank you. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.